five seconds to submergence. Submergence deep into the absurd. All right, guys, it's gonna be a pretty chill episode today. I'm uh, I'm actually sick, and so I've got my homeboy Kevin, man myth legend. Hello. Um, this is episode ninety nine. We we got him drinking a white monster. <laughs> yes, sir. The the power of the beast surges within. Uh, we're gonna do some uh reaction videos because Kevin's gonna post this on his YouTube channel. Oh, or right. his what your what channel? My what? Your I'll post it on my YouTube. What's that one video site that you were thinking about? TikTok? No, it's the other one. It's like oh oh Rumble. <laughs> Rumble, yeah. That's where that's where we need to be with the controversial shit we talk about so yeah we're gonna do some uh some reaction videos today and uh you know hopefully uh this will be good content for the the listeners we'll see because you know you might not be able to like see everything although i could post the video we'll see because i'm sure at times we might just be talking and then that stuff i can you know, just throw in there so so we'll be reacting to what is it new movie trailers and popular show trailers and possibly some cringe cringe vids uh you want to watch the official teaser or the full trailer of avatar last airbender why is the teaser longer let's do the full trailer or we can do no do we can do both and do the teaser first if you want to hold on let me just make sure that this camera is capturing my good angle today usually it doesn't do that dude the camera always captures a good angle <laughs> um, i'm gonna go bring my dog into this room so that way she's not barking all right all right kevin do this avatar last airbender Am I even is this... am I screen? Yeah, I am. I wonder yeah, if yeah, I, I can see it over here. Can you still see my screen? Uh, yeah. Is it still YouTube? Yeah. Sweet. So, is this a, a movie or is it a show? It's going to be a TV show, the live action. That is what we believe in. The Fire Nation. Can you hear it? Does not. Yeah. Yeah. Aang. I know you're just a kid still. But you were born with a great purpose. What's to come? Is destruction. And loss. You will have to stay united and strong to endure it. Osaka.
So there's only one way. To keep the balance straight. Wow. Always remember who you are. The last airbender. Damn. Dude, okay. That looks way better than the live action they released years ago. Dude, that live action that they released years ago was fucking shit. It was it terrible. Was horrid. And it looks like Aang is actually um, Asian this time and not <laughs> some random white kid. <laughs> yeah, like, they made know, the whole... <laughs> Well, in this, they're like actually making like the whole cast is Asian. Good. Well, it looked like the Water Tribe was all white guys for some reason. Did you see that? Yeah, I think they look more like Eskimo kind of deal. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so, because the casting looks way, way better, and I mean the graphics were really good too. I mean the graphics for the movie weren't bad; just everything else was horrible. Yeah, I, think I, I, I don't think I ever even finished the movie. <laughs> so, oh my god, it was I didn't even watch like the Avatar TV show, but I I could tell that whatever that movie was was infuriating to the people who did watch that show. <laughs> oh wait, you but never watched the TV good. show? I watched some, and Bro. I don't know why I never did. Dude. It was on. It was on Nickelodeon, wasn't it? Like originally? Yeah. Yeah, for some reason, uh like I didn't have Nickelodeon for a long time. I just had Disney Channel. Wow. Yeah, no, it was uh Yeah, Avatar Last Airbender was probably one of the most influential TV shows in my life. And I think it's yeah. honestly probably the reason why um the Eastern uh, Eastern philosophies were so attractive to me, or so attractive to me, growing up. Oh, definitely. I've heard a lot of people actually like cite Avatar as being like their first introduction to like Eastern thought. And I I remember seeing a video posted on the internet that went viral a while ago. That was it was just Ang or Ang getting yeah. the the sort of explanation of the chakra system and like unblocking them. And it became just like a viral short of having um, that one scene from the TV show. I like that. Yeah. I think it's kind of, it's just that there's so much in it and there is something that I wanted to share. I, I mentioned this on a, an episode I did with Jamal a few weeks back and in Avatar Last Airbender, Aang has to defeat the Fire Lord. And he, he can talk to his past lives, and his past lives are like previous avatars, basically. And he, he'll be talking to them, and then he, he's asking them, hey, uh, how do I defeat the Fire Lord? And then most of them are basically telling him, like, hey, you got to kill him. Sorry. Oh. But Aang is strictly against killing. And as really? an airbender, he's not, um, he was taught to not kill and that it's bad for his spirituality. So what happens is he's speaking to a, one of the former avatars who was an airbender. And 
she tells him, Aang, I understand that it's a part of your spirituality to not kill. However, as the Avatar, your duties to this world transcend your duties to your own spiritual needs. Oh, I like that. So it's kind of like it, it it brings it back like, hey, yeah, like you, you can go get enlightened, but um, your duties to the world are more important than your own personal feeling that you need to get enlightened. Go yeah, on. no, I I like that. It kind of reminds me of this argument that I heard against veganism, which is like a vegan person might feel like self-righteous because they're not eating animals or using animal leather. But the people who farm the tofu fields or whatever, they have to, they obviously have to kill the rodents that go through the tofu field. They have to yeah. like kill all of the, the ants or whatever. But it's great that you get a feel like you're not uh, contributing. Yep. You just have to buy the tofu at the store. And they kind of feel like exonerated yep. from being responsible. Even, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And, and I've personally always been, well, I have never been able to come up with a clear justification to myself of, what I would do in a situation where someone violently attacked me. I, I mean, obviously I, I would uh, fight back, but I mean, in the case that I, um, the only way to protect myself would be to kill the other person. Um, I don't know what I would do be for that same reason. I'd be like, is it like, what's more, more worth it? Like saving my life or would it even like corrupt me to kill this person in this situation or is it perfectly justifiable to like kill a person to save yourself that's like one of the main things i've always struggled with my whole life is like either it's like wrong across the board or it's more like case by case but then when you say it's case by case it kind of opens up a can of worms of like okay well when's it okay then When's it not? No, and that's some uh, wisdom that I got from uh, one of my dad's friends. Uh, he was saying how he has a shotgun in his house and a big security system. And I was asking him, like, you know, what do you do if someone, in, you know, like came to his house? And I was like, would you shoot him? And then he's like, oh, oh, Greg, it takes a lot to pull the trigger on a man. Well, what I would do is go to my escape room with a shotgun, lock the door and call the cops. And if it comes down to it, if I absolutely needed to, I would shoot him. Right. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a good response. I once heard someone put it this way. Like if someone was robbing them or breaking into their house, them Killing the other person is them protecting the other person from harming their own soul. Because you're Wait. not allowing. So by hey. you, so someone is wanting to commit a violent crime against you. Yeah. Uh, to take something you have or whatever out of malice by you protecting yourself 
and like getting rid of them, you are protecting them from committing a crime, like from corrupting their own soul. <laughs> I heard I heard that once. I can't remember that's where, definitely but I, a backwards argument. Yeah, um, it is. I'm like, well, is it should, it should my job be to protect someone else's <laughs> corrupted soul <laughs> by corrupting my own? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, no, you see, you see, guys, the the reason why the United States invades Afghanistan in the Middle East is so that we can protect them from har harming their own souls. Yeah, from harming. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I. I kind of like remember being like, okay, that's a good way to look at it in the case that I need to um, justify to myself why I'm going to off someone if they're like breaking into my house. But <laughs> the it was a bad. Anyway. Well, uh, there's another thing that I was told. Uh, my uncle told me, Greg, don't ever get into a fight with someone. Unless you need to kill them. Wait. Like, like there's absolutely no, like, you don't need to fight someone unless you're fighting for your life. Yeah, that's a good, that's true. Is what he's basically I'm just saying. trying to think of, like, some guy coming at you at a bar fight, though. I guess you could just be like, okay, no, we're not doing this. But. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't fully agree with what he was saying. I think there was some faulty wisdom there. Um, yeah. But then he was like, like, sorry, go ahead. Because if anything, it, it's like, it would be better to get in a fight that hopefully prevents the loss of life in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Because well, I think what he actually said to me was, like, when you're in a fight, you're fighting to kill. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I'm get like, that. I yeah, I understand. So I'm like, okay, so like, it's kind so of. I got. I think what he meant was like, go all in, kind of a deal. Yeah, right. It reminds me of like, the Karate Kid with Jaden Smith, which I just watched again recently. Yeah, like the, no mercy, no holding back, mindset. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's wrong. I think uh, you should fight to take away their power to kill you or hurt anyone no, else. I, yeah, I like that. You're taking And away... that's also that uh, brings us back to Aang the Last Airbender because when he finally defeats the Fire Lord, what he does instead of killing him is he finds out how to take his bending away from him so he can't ever hurt anyone else ever again. I like that. Dang. Oh, I've... I, I need to just go and watch... It all the way through sometime i've watched um you'll binge it i think i think i've watched one s season of legend of Korra just because a friend was playing it oh terrible and, yeah i i i was like there was like a part in there worse yeah i didn't like it that much so i'm hope i'm sure the last airbender will be better we now we need to watch the trailer for arcane which okay Obviously, I play the video game, so I'm by I'm a little biased. But this um, Arcane was the I think the only animated Netflix series to get nominated for and win a Grammy, multiple Grammys, I think. Um, and people 
um, when I was introducing it to to friends, even though they weren't aware of the game, they all loved it and were introducing it to other people. It was just one of the best um, series I've seen in a long time. So we'll see what you think if the trailer shows us anything. Yeah, let me just make sure that all right, we're sharing sound. Sweet. When I was a kid, me and my sister, we played a game where we pretended to chase monsters away. I'd say, no monster's gonna get you when I'm here. Then a real monster showed up. I have to find her. growing smaller every day up there on the surface the topsiders are leaving the undercity further behind i believe i've discovered something incredible a way to harness magic through science you don't understand what's at stake power doesn't come to those who are born strongest it comes to those who will do anything to achieve it imagining yourself a hero then what are you waiting for more lives may be lost the undercity cannot be controlled then we have to go in by force What have you done with my sister? I'll give her your regards. This cycle of violence will never stop. She's too far gone. I have to try. You've got a good heart. Don't ever lose it. Protect the family. Are we... Still, sisters, nothing is ever going to change that. So that was the trailer for Arcane, what were what were your first impressions? Well, so this is from this base off League of Legends. The the characters are all from League of Legends, um, but it's kind of complicated because the League of Legend League of Legends okay. is an arena game with like yeah. hundreds of champions, and this just focuses on a few characters from the game and their backstories wow um but a lot of people i've been watching uh video analysis video analysis yeah. of the characters and people have been saying that each character like arcane is an example of how to write a character because um and how to write like uh females and strong roles how to write yeah. um how to how to write like a strong female character while also like without 
resulting to tropes that we're seeing in a lot of modern media where they 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 intentionally will make for example like male characters look weaker in order to like yeah. pedestalize a female character um or vice versa they'll like they'll make a female like a damsel in distress in order to to make the male char- hero look more uh powerful and yeah. or just like s- simple tropes like where there's just like an obvious evil guy and he's just bad and he doesn't really have like a yeah. good thing each character in this it's like you can't decide <laughs> first of all which character is your favorite and like who you like really hate because each one of them has like really justifiable reasons for being the way that they are and the, their whole uh, character arc is each pretty amazing to watch. Um, so I definitely recommend that if you're ever looking for something to watch. It's pretty adult, I would say. It looks like a yeah. cartoon for like maybe childish in a way, but um, it also it's explores a, a lot. It's of, an adult cartoon, you mean? Yeah, it yeah. definitely explores a lot of the things that were like we are like sort of tackling with as a society here in the u.s at least with um with like the divide between the rich and the the poor um that's one of the main themes um uh police brutality um and drug lords and how they kind of get a hand get a handle on the weak and vulnerable of a society and so if you were to say like a war on drugs you're harming the people who are already being yeah. taken advantage by. So there's like just a lot of um, uh, different aspects of this show that are just so interesting from like, a, I guess, a story and character perspective. And they're kind of like prophetic in a way of, <laughs> of the modern day um, problems in society. Definitely. It will, and, and, and also it tackles a uh, mental health, like in psychosis and how, yeah, these um these like larger societal issues also manifest on an individual level because like when you are a product of a pretty broken system like (laughs) you might have some mental health challenges and it's not even your fault um so yeah it just tackles so much and i definitely recommend it to anyone who has time well, I wanted to kind of go back to like writing a strong female character um, because you I did? think a lot of time. Oh, no, I wanted like like with how um in Arcane, they, they write a good, uh, strong female character. Right. Um, and I just want to say, yeah, I mean, we, we are seeing in modern day where this strong female character is a lot of times it's like this very narcissistic woman that doesn't need love. They don't need no man. Right. Um, and it's like, okay, it's like, uh, it's kind of, it's like by giving the woman masculine traits, um, that's supposed to make them strong. Uh, where he's, well, Hey, shouldn't there be like, didn't their feminine traits be the thing that make them strong because they're a woman? You know what I mean? Right. 
Like that's because what we by could... saying that you're like making it seem like men and masculine traits are stronger than female traits. So get rid of your feminine traits and replace them with masculine traits, and then you'll be strong. But yeah, um, in in reality, that's uh that's actually um against the feminist movement because your feminine traits should be what make you a strong woman. I right, guess. right. It's it's like a corruption of an ideal. I feel like because. I, I mean, I know this is a controversial topic and many people will say it's like, it's, it, it could be misogynistic to say, oh, like women need to be in like a feminine role, but that's not what, yeah. I mean, that's not what we're saying. Yeah. Because yeah. like, like women should be in positions of power and, and yeah. status. But if you look at the most influential woman around like to um society they're the ones who uh like em emanate their like natural characteristics to a degree yeah. like their their femininity is just powerful and i've never had yeah. um i've been called out for like saying that i believe femininity is so powerful that i don't understand this weird push to like that a woman is only powerful if they embody traits that are traditionally considered masculine. Uh, but my counter to that was that I just had such a strong female role model in my life being my mm -hmm. mom yeah, that same. I never, I never considered femininity a um, weakness, a weakness ever in my life. In fact, I yeah. considered masculinity a weakness to a certain degree because I saw how um how people who are really, really, really in their masculine have they can have trouble with certain things, uh like anger and communication and whatever. Yeah. So if anything, I always like idolized the feminine to a certain degree. So it's not to say that people aren't super unique and can manifest all these different traits in different ways but as far as arcane i'm glad they went this route instead of going trying to follow the footsteps of a lot of the media today because what they've done i'll use captain marvel as an, uh, an example of this is someone pointed out that in order to sort of give these strong female leads in order to make them a hero, they think that they have to make them invincible too. But nobody yes. likes an invincible hero. And we saw in Captain Marvel how Or even Superman, she, right? Yeah. Like, I I, hate I never I, I always hated Superman. I never was interested in any of the movies because who like I understand he has the weakness of kryptonite, but I just was sort of bored of his like he could do everything. He could fly. Yeah. He had super strength. He had lasers. I was like, okay, what, <laughs> what's, what's his gig, you know? Yeah. Um, and the mistake and the error that they made with Captain Marvel is in the, in the film, which I never saw. I just watched the clips. She never took um, a punch. She was never beaten once um, where a big process of like a uh, character growth in the heroic journey is that um, to make the character more relatable, you show their journey from being like rock bottom, getting their ass handed to them and seeing yeah. how they handle like kill that. bill, like kill like, bill. 
Oh, Bill Bill is that's the strongest female character ever written. Literally, and she is like, she's literally has her her ass handed to her. She's buried alive. Gets uh, fucking raped while she's in the hospital bed. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, Gets exactly. Beaten up, and then mm-hmm. she just goes and kills like hundred people with the samurai sword. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking well, giant fit- ass like ninja fight. This video will just be about strong female leads done correctly. <laughs> Another example of a strong female lead that they did right, in my opinion, was um, in the Resident Evil series, like the the live okay. action movies with Alice. Did you ever watch those? No, I didn't. She, I mean, she was the main character. And I mean, they definitely did not stray away from like showing her get beaten like many times and showing her journey from just being you know they she had an actual hero's journey and it was believable toward the end of the films when she was just like more sophisticated with like her combat because you've seen like all that uh, the journey she had to go through because like people want to see some kind of adversity yeah, exactly. And that's part of the reason why I think a lot of people like uh, a lot of people like Batman a lot more than like other superheroes because he doesn't have any superpowers, right? Right, and like most of it, like, and he actually uses his extreme skill in combat to like take down enemies, and also is like smarts. And sure, he he's a billionaire, but he's a billionaire with a, a life that was rough right like his parents were shot down and then he's kind of like on this pedestal you know i think i wonder i've kind of always wondered what they were i'm sure there's been analysis after analysis of batman yeah. as like a character and i think i mean he's like this super rich billionaire like happy guy influential man on the outside but he like lacks that meaning and purpose and so he goes on this whole inner journey and like what he actually wants yeah and he he takes he he's someone that doesn't have to take any risk at all if he doesn't want to he could use his money if he wanted to to um to just like solve problems but instead he himself goes into like the danger So it's kind of showing his heroicism because he's not forced into these situations really at all. Yeah. He's he's choosing to sort of he has sacrifice. so much freedom of choice with all the money that he has, but he chooses willingly to put his life at risk every night, you know, like fighting bad guys and mm-hmm. just being the fucking pulp (laughs) yeah literally yeah no i liked batman my i've always had a thing for anti-heroes i was just talking to someone about this in in movies and an an anti-hero i don't know i forget what the actual definition is we can look it up just for Um, shits and giggles but we can throw the uh did you ever watch the x-men movies the like the original three yeah, and of course yeah. the Taylor Swift song comes up. So let's see, what's an anti-hero? 
spelled anti-hero or anti-heroine. It's the main character in a story who may lack some conventional heroic qualities and attributes such as idealism, courage, and morality. Although anti-heroes may sometimes perform actions that most of the audience considers morally correct, their reasons for doing so may not align with the audience's morality. An anti-hero typically exhibits one of the dark triad personality traits, which includes narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism. So one of the most famous anti-heroes that is like a lot of people's favorite would be Jack Sparrow. Yeah. Um, Because he does a lot of things that are morally questionable and he's usually out for his own gain and then sometimes chooses the action that sort of sacrifices his own uh, narcissistic like um, motives and Jack Sparrow would be considered um, a narcissist on the on the dark triad um, yeah column but my favorite one growing up was Mystique from X-Men um, I liked how X-Men they the the bad the bad mutants and the the good mutants they each were sort of justified in their fight toward people who yep. hated them they just chose different paths with Magneto representing because the X-Men is basically um, a metaphor for the civil rights movement and also the LGBT rights movement of like this 60s or 70s where you had uh, Malcolm X and then you had, um, what is it? Martin Luther King. So Magneto represents Malcolm X and his more uh, like militant pushback. Yeah. And then Charles Xavier represents um, um, Martin Luther King's approach toward peaceful protests, um, assimilation, stuff like that. And it, but uh, Mystique was always my favorite because, I mean, she was badass as hell, but um, she had morally questionable things, but she ends up doing the right thing at, at key moments of the story. Oh, I see Mystique. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that was your favorite character. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I ended up gay somehow. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. <laughs> That's funny. I kind of just figured you already knew what she looked like, but <laughs> well, I was trying to think like which one's Mystique, and then I'm like, oh, and I, I looked it up, and I was like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, the the one who's basically naked the whole time. I see. Yeah, I I liked her her whole thing as being like a shapeshifter. I feel like I kind of. No, I do think I that she's like a really cool character. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked there was this one scene that impacted me a lot as a kid for whatever reason. And I would just like go on YouTube and watch it over and over. <laughs> and it, it was this scene where someone goes up to Mystique and asks and, and says, you can be anyone and you can you can pretend to be anyone you want. So why not just... Um, pretend to be a human all the time or something like that and she just says um we shouldn't have to we shouldn't have to do that so she has the ability to live uh, a normal life to pretend like to shapeshift into just looking like a normal human if she wanted to 
and she still chooses to fight for her cause. And that's what I really liked about that scene and her character. Well, I tried to find that scene on YouTube. Nightcrawler and Mystique is the scene. I can try to find it. Nightcrawler and Mystique. Why not be a scene all of the time? Here it is. Can I link it on Zoom? Yeah, is it just X Men Two United Nightcrawl and Mystique's conversation? Oh yeah, yeah, thirty-three yeah. seconds. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sweet. Excuse me. They say you can imitate anybody. Even their voice. Even their voice. Then why not stay in disguise all the time? You know? Look like everyone else. Because we shouldn't have to. It, it's funny because yeah, those, those, those two characters were my all-time favorite. Uh, like superhero, supervillain of all time, Nightcrawler, Mystique. I, I liked Nightcrawler because he was a demon. Uh, his power was to teleport, but to teleport, he he goes to hell, the hell realm, and then teleports that way to another location. Nightcrawler. Mm -hmm. That's but what crawls through the night. Right, the night mm -hmm. being hell. That the irony of his character, though, is he's he's a Catholic, and I was raised Catholic, and he was really religious. So all of the markings on his body were for every sin he committed, and so I just liked his character because of like the sort of irony of him being literally the son of a demon, and he used like he goes to hell to use his powers, but um, he sort of still keeps his he's Catholic keeps his faith I, I i just liked his his little character well it's also kind of that that's kind of reminds me of a uh, um what the the book of job is that what it's called that's what it's called i forget what exactly bible should we look it up yeah i forget yeah. like the story of if job i the think book. is job the one that's told job. like not to look back, Job's wife, or else she'll be turned job. into a pillar. Book of Job. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. Here. <laughs> Is that how it starts? I guess. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owed 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes and on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan. 
Oh, before the Lord and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkey, donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabines attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chileans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed to them, and they are dead and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by, char by charging God with wrongdoing. I remember. Yeah. So Satan just tries all these things to get to prove to God that jo Job will turn his back on God once he loses everything and that he only has faith because of how blessed he life was is in good. his life. But I think yeah. if I remember right, Job proves uh, Satan wrong. Yeah. And I think what yeah. happens after that, I'm pretty sure is that like he gets all of his stuff back from God. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but yeah, like the, the point is, um, there is a certain irony there, right? Where, uh, where you might, you know, you might be like a devout Catholic worshiper, but you get your powers from hell. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. But at the same time, there's like a metaphor there where, um, I don't know if you've heard the metaphor where like in order for a tree to grow to heaven, its roots must be planted in hell. Yep. No, I isn't isn't that Carl Jung's quote? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm like seventy percent sort of. That's for a tree to grow to heaven. Its roots must be planted in hell. No tree, it is said, can grow to heaven unless its roots reach down to hell. Yep, it's Jung. We love him. Yep. Praise young. Praise young. <laughs> praise young. Praise young. Lord young. Lord <laughs> young. I praise you. This video God. is so random because we went from 
Avatar to Arcane to X Men to the Book of Job to the Book of Job. <laughs> we Dude, didn't I... really have have what? What? We didn't have a system for this video. Ken, you have four. <laughs> you have four reacting videos you can choose from now. Oh, for to put one up. Yeah. <laughs> what we should do is take. We should do um our own interpretations of Bible quotes. <laughs> so we take oh, yeah. ten, ten famous like Bible quotes. And we come up with what we think the interpretation is like. Yeah, I, I got my holy Bible right here, bro. Do you? I have one. It's like, dude, I've actually small. been reading it and it's on like, honestly, I've been like my whole life. I've been like, I'm never reading the fucking Bible. Fucking God, <laughs> like it? fucking yeah, dude. It's I mean, here's the thing that. uh, I guess people who aren't Christian or just, I guess like whatever they, they shit on it a lot, but you have yeah. to basically admit that it's, it's really complex. It, it tells. Yeah. And there's so much you can get from it because you like, it doesn't even tell a narrative because it's kind of, it's kind of like a Rorschach test. Of how it is a Rorschach is. test. And, um, and I mean, that's kind of like a criticism of it, of like, if yeah. it was so like divinely inspired and the instructions were clear, they were there wouldn't be so many different denominations because obviously um, it wasn't clear enough. If there's like forty thousand different interpretations of the material, but um, I think yeah, but you know, like God, like God doesn't speak in words, you know. At least yeah, in, in my opinion, like, I think the uh, the narratives definitely moved humanity forward to a certain extent yeah well my favorite line is in genesis it's just like it's not even the meaning behind it i just love the line it just sounds good he's uh he's telling adam after he ate the after he ate the tree from the knowledge of good and evil he says by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I like that one. But yeah, that's good. My, I think my all-time favorite one is the part where they're gonna stone Jesus, and Jesus's sort of reply to them. I I always forget which book that is, though. Jesus say Jesus reply reply to people stoning oh was this like they know not what they do no he who has not, not sinned let him take a stone and throw it right it's a part of that what what section is that it doesn't uh, even say that um, he that is on. without sin among you let him first cast a stone at her stone me i'll find it Oh, it's well, John. 10, him. It's John ten thirty two, the one that I'm looking for. John ten thirty two. Oh, I'm still sharing my screen, huh? Yeah, that's fine. 
from the Father, for which of these do you stone me? Hmm. What does that mean? Is there one uh, website that just shows like literally the law, the the whole thing? I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, It is not written in your law, I have said, you are gods. Ooh. That's my that's my favorite quote, and I think it's that quote that I believe uh, many Christians are either just not aware of or they they interpret it away because when you read the full section of the context of this quote, they're they're stoning him not because of all of the miracles he's done, but because he's claiming to be God. And his reply yeah. in that same context is you are gods. And I've heard I've I've mentioned this to Christians before, and they'll say, Oh, by gods they meant um like you are like the lords of the land or whatever. But I'm like, no, it says gods there and it's, and it's gods in the same context that they're stoning him for, claiming to be God. So I think, in my opinion, one of the greatest misinterpretations of Jesus is they think that he exa like exalted himself to divinity when he was trying yeah. to explain that everyone was divine. That's my two cents. Well, and I'm looking at the uh yeah i'm sure like i mean i'm sure if you like read all this very carefully you'd see a lot of similarities with uh buddhist thought um and even here it's actually i kind of want to see if there's a music video for this uh turtles Turtles all the way down. Sergio Simpson. You're such a good listener, Thomas. It makes me feel so special. You are. You are special. If you don't mind, if you could just... Oh, this Thomas. Makes... I don't know what this is. I've seen Jesus play with flames in the lake of fire. fire. I was standing. Met the devil in Seattle. Spent nine months inside the lion's den. Met Booty yet another time. Showed me a glowing light within. <laughs> But I swear to God, time I'm to the eyes of my best friend. Says my son, it's all been done. Someday gonna wake up old and gray. Go and try and have some fun. Showing warmth to everyone. Meet and greet, cheat along the way. Somewhere out there, far beyond this place. 
All right, well, you kind of get the point. But basically, what he's like saying it. here is like, hey, like you know, like I've you know I've seen Jesus, I've seen Buddha, but I swear the God is there every time I look into the eyes of my best friend. You know, something I stumbled on recently, which kind of blew my mind, yeah, is so in Buddhism, a lot of people think that the Buddha was talking about this concept of no self, yeah. that there's no self. And I was talking with um, our, our friend uh, Fletcher uh, okay. because he's pretty Buddhist or, you know, yep. and, and I kind of say the difference between him and I is the difference between Hinduism and Buddhism where Hinduism believes that there is a self and Buddhism doesn't. And anyway, this video that I was watching was this guy explaining that the Buddha actually never talked about no self. Yeah. And I, um, I kind of posited a question to our friend and I was like, if there's no self, like how does one recognize that one has become enlightened and reached that state of no self if there's no self to do the recognition. Yeah. So like, if you like sort of dissolve the self completely, um, how would you know the process was complete and that you even did it because there would be no self to recognize it. Um, but apparently this, but according to this video, which kind of, I thought was really interesting was we just didn't have an English word for the Sanskrit word that, the Buddha was trying to use and what he was really trying to say was not that there was no self, but that you become aware of like a more expansive self that is not the same self that your like ego is. Yeah. Um, and you, well, I think it's also like um, a lot of times we're putting ourselves in front of everything else. Mm -hmm. but but like what you're saying you recognize this greater self like oh wait 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 all these other people all my friends all my family this is me too yes right and there's a difference and, yeah there's like it's uh, you might it's like kind of hard to like tell i guess but there's a difference between there not being a self at all and there being a self that might just be more expansive, like let's say that I become aware of myself as more and I'm I'm you and I'm the yeah. plants and the trees. That's still a self. It's just it's not um that like strictly defined self uh stuck in a body. Um, but they say it's one it was like one of the greatest misinterpretations of the Buddhist thought is because they he couldn't really I mean, there wasn't yeah, a lot it just of wasn't English like words, words for it yeah. to describe like this expanded self. So we misinterpret it as him saying, oh, there's no self. So a lot of um, people who sort of pursue enlightenment and that sort of ego death, it, uh, it ends up being like a kind of game they're playing with themselves because they're they're trying to reach this state of no selfhood, but yep. you have to do that from the perspective of having a self, 
like well i think there's like another perspective here too to keep in mind in that uh it's also it's not about like dissolving the self it's all it's about dissolving your focus upon yourself you know yes oh i like and that. it's like because like a, a lot of times you know you'll like most of the day uh you're paying attention to your own thoughts you're just listening to yourself thought there's a constant uh you know kevin podcast going on in your head all day long right literally <laughs> and then it's like it's like you're not even paying attention and like um i'm not singling you out i'm just using a, use an example but um because like clearly i i'm not because like so like all day <laughs> i'm i'm listening to my thoughts right like i'm listening to the greg podcast 24 7 in my <laughs> head you know and uh and this is it makes me depressed, right? Because all you know, there's no external input, like no one's challenging my own thoughts, right? And uh, and I'm not paying attention to what other people are thinking and what they're saying or what's going on outside of my head. And I'm kind of in this closed off, isolated realm, you know. Right. So, um, and that's kind of like your ego will self inflate. Oh, definitely. Well, and there's no if you're not challenging them you're sort of you'll just get you'll your ego will sort of run away with a belief system and then soon you find yourself just like wait why do i believe i'm worthless again <laughs> like because there's no chat there's not like yeah and i would say that most of us don't watch our thoughts and even for those of us who who try like through meditation and stuff we're still there's like 50,000 or 70,000 thoughts i think that go through our mind every day so even if you're like a consistent meditator, you're still only catching like, I wouldn't even say 5% of them. I would say even as a meditator, like the ones that I'm actually aware of passing through my head would be like 3% in a day, which is just crazy to think about all of the stuff that's going behind the scenes that my mind is sort of just accepting undiscriminately. Um, but one thing I've just been starting to meditate again and I was just sort of like watching my thoughts the other day, like not doing anything. I wasn't trying to like quiet my mind or anything like that. I was just watching my thoughts and I was like, it, it, I, I thought it, I had this thought of how funny it was that um, these, these thoughts dictate my life because 90% of the thoughts that I was witnessing, they, they didn't, they had no useful information whatsoever. They weren't even about me or about a situation I was in or even people I knew. I remember just like hearing a conversation between like a guy and a girl. And he's like, your shirt's yellow. Like, just like the most random thing that is like so unproductive. And I'm like, um, Kevin, I, Kevin, did you have schizophrenia? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. But I just realized, like, and I mean, I know people talk about this, like meditators talk about, like, when you start looking yeah. at them, you see kind of how, like, wait, we let these things dictate our lives. Like, they're completely useless. Not yeah. all of them, but they're just. Well, um, yeah. Well, it's also like, you know, you'll have, like, all these fake arguments with people. You know, like you'll like, for, for instance, you'll have an interaction with someone and then you like walk away from it and then you start imagining all the other things you could have said instead. Like, oh, I should have said that. I should have, you yep. know, 
And I then, know. And then it's like, like, what are you doing wasting your time, like, um, thinking about all this, you know? Yep. Or I catch myself <laughs> thinking about the situations that I don't want to happen uh, more than I'm thinking about yeah. the situations that I do want to happen. Mm. And I think just noticing when we just don't notice like how much energy and um, intention we're putting toward the things that like we want to avoid, but we can't really blame the situation since we're the ones putting all the energy into it. (laughs) Well, a common, uh, a common analogy that this podcaster, um, Dr. Chris Ryan, he hosts the Tangentially Speaking podcast. An analogy that he brings up a lot, or at least he... Oh, shit. Or at least he used to was that uh, a rocket, a rocket ship going to space uses most of its energy trying to get out of the atmosphere. So, like, most of its energy is already used before it even gets to space. Right. So it's well, like okay. a, a, a lot of times we'll be thinking about doing something for like years before we actually end up doing it. You know what I mean? Right. And then oh, it takes like so a split second to do it. Yeah, that's so true. I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah like that's like been breaking true up so with someone's in my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just like going to the, the gym. Just, doing my homework literally i'll be thinking it's like i'll be worrying i i would worry about my homework all day instead of just doing it and then i would have the audacity to be stressed out doing it last minute when it's like okay if i just put like half the energy that i put into worrying about my homework doing my homework i would have um yeah it's just and I, i i truly feel like this is more of a failure of society because okay like with every other aspect of our lives, they have a sort of system figured out for us here in the West. Like they'll be like, for your foods, you should have one of each from these food groups or whatever, even if that's a, it's like a little bullshit and you should get exercise <laughs> and, and whatever. But like the most important thing that we'll live with for our whole life is our mind. And we don't even have a system that we're yeah. trained with on like how to, uh, like deal with the contents of that yep. and it it kind of is like insane if you think about it like that we weren't given like a basic tutorial tutorial um i saw the funniest thing the other day it was like that it related to me completely but it probably related to a lot of people which is why it was a viral post but it was like living life with undiagnosed adhd which I was diagnosed, but I mean, un- unmedicated ADHD is like, uh, you, you miss the tutorial phase of the game. Um, and you don't even know what game you're playing. It was something like that. So everyone's yeah. like, everyone got the tutorial, but you missed the tutorial and like, you don't even know like the goal of the game. <laughs> and I, I just sat there for like five minutes after reading that. Cause I was like, wait, this like feels so true because I feel like I've been confused since the day I was cognizant of being aware. Like, and I was I'm like, what is the goal? <laughs> like, is there something, uh, 
to focus on or um is there like something that people are doing <laughs> uh so that they know how to focus on these things well it's but, like what am i supposed to do you know it's like yeah i don't even know like what's the goal what's the point i definitely feel like, like i missed the tutorial yeah <laughs> and there, there's definitely no instruction manual to life over it is we all forgot it so yeah or they'll say it's the bible did you ever have you ever heard that quote that the bible is this is what i've heard so many christians say this so it must be a thing yeah uh basic instructions before leaving earth oh wow <laughs> yeah i, I thought that's that kind of like what any philosophy is basically yeah basic you know, like how to like Buddhism, how to prepare for enlightenment, yeah, Christianity, how to prepare for heaven. Which I mean, more more or less, they're the same thing, right? Just in a different context. Uh, yeah, uh, Buddhism is pretty impressive though, because, like, well, yeah, I'm and so like I'm definitely more. I, I I like lean towards the Eastern, you know, Eastern philosophies a hundred percent. Um, lately, I've just been mentioning, you know, like Christianity a lot because it's been one of my biggest uh, critiques in life. Like the my yeah. biggest, like it's a thing that I've been going against a lot in life, which I'm I, recently starting to actually learn about it. But, um, but yeah, yeah, go on. Sorry, I like I'll tell anyone like I love the Bible. I love yeah. many of the allegories in there, and I guess I was lucky to have been catholic in a sense because a lot of yeah. people think of catholic as like the strictest and stuff which they are to a certain degree but what i appreciate about my upbringing is they weren't too like obsessed with how literal everything in the bible was yeah like they they that's what i hear with uh, yeah with catholicism they accept that many of these stories were allegory um for a greater message yeah. and that like whether they're literally true is kind of beside the point to a Catholic. Yeah. yeah. Besides like the main, like the Jesus atonement thing, but like yeah. the rest of it, whereas many like, like a, like a Protestant, I think will insist that it's like all literally true. And that's where you, and that's why in antiquity, as far as uh, a lot of, there was a lot of Catholic scientists who discovered yeah. really great things because they didn't take the whole, Oh, like God created whatever. And it was actually, I think a Catholic that discovered, um, big not bang evolution. Theory, right? Yeah. The big bang theory. But, um, I think it was a Catholic that discovered not the theory of evolution, obviously by from, um, what's his face? Darwin. Darwin. But, um, who first discovered, I think that, um, animals or something like change form or something like that i believe yep it was uh here sorry this isn't what what you were saying but this is uh jorge lemaitre a belgian cosmologist and catholic priest came up with the first um scientific form of the Big Bang Theory. Yep. Yeah, a lot of people are surprised to to hear that. But 
I I think. What was this I, animal I like, theory? Maybe just uh do like prominent Catholic scientists. Pascal, wow, Pascal. Wasn't he the germ guy? Copernicus, Galileo, Galileo, Descartes. What the fuck, Gregor Mendel? Oh, that's probably who you were talking about. What was he? Uh, was he the germ guy? Uh, German Czech biologist, mirologist. Oh, genetics, father of genetics. Yeah, yep, father of genetics. So, yeah, a lot of people would be surprised. And I've heard the argument that it's like, it's obviously just because there wasn't really another option. Like, like science happened despite religion, not because of it, uh, which I, I get yeah. that argument too. But I think Catholicism leaves a lot of room for people to like inquire about the nature of reality because they don't feel like they're going against God and to inquire about like the creation. Um, well, it's also like, um, like God is the universe in a way. And if God's not the universe, God, uh, the universe is at least the creation of God uh, to the perspective mm -hmm. of the Christian or Catholic. Right. So in, in a well, sense, these scientists are learning about the creation of God or learning about what God is by way of scientific thought and reasoning. Mm -hmm. What's interesting right. to me is like uh, Christians, I think it's, it's changing. Like if you ask, ask the average Christian on the street, if they believe that God is omnipresent, many of them yeah. will say yes. Like they believe God is everywhere. Um, but many, it's not a Christian. Well, many Christians believe in a separate God, which is interesting because in the in the Bible, uh, there's that quote where it's like, "You lift a rock, um, the Lord is there. You, you, like make your bed, the Lord is there." So it's like saying, "God's everywhere." Yeah. So it says it right there, and I, and I think it's like what we talked about before, where people have a hard time, sort of believing that god can be in its creation since there's like so many like we we consider our life so lowly like oh we're just these lowly yeah. humans and we do messed up things so there's no way that god is here in us or you know but well it's also like it's also like god is here but so is so is the tendency towards evil Right. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like because uh, uh, a lot of times people will pick things out of the Bible and they'll pick like one thing, but, you know, they'll they'll neglect all the other stuff where uh -huh. he's like, why can't it be all things like why can't there say like maybe maybe there maybe God's everywhere. And that's like one interpret one interpretation of God is that God is love. God is everywhere. Or God's creation is everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe there's also a God that created the universe. Right. That's the not, two things that's are not... not the same as the God that is everything. Right. Like it can be within creation, but also transcend it so that there's like, yeah, God isn't just the universe. It's like also beyond the universe. 
but that doesn't mean it can't it can't be in it but well it's like for instance my hand right is my hand me my hand is a part of me but it's not the full picture like you right. know what i mean exactly i like to think of i a hand is like like where is it like this god is here is this and then all of the people in like manifestations of reality like all the different humans we're all just like different emanations like if you were to take um a laser and shine it through a crystal and it refracts into all these different colors that's kind of like how i view creation and all of the diverse things in it it's just we're all the same thing we're just different emanate or different um things so i have to look up something um it's cool that you're looking into the bible though because i didn't know that you didn't um like know much about it but i i guess i yeah i've never i've never read it um can you see my screen yeah so this is from ishmael um let's see okay so have you read ishmael yeah for for that class with uh with bryce blankenship yeah okay so i'm just gonna read this paragraph uh and and for those of you out there who don't know who ishmael is um or what ishmael is it's a book about this talking gorilla basically telling this guy how to save the world uh more or less so this is uh from the perspective of the gorilla before long i too began to ask myself why Being neurologically far in advance of the tiger, I was able to examine what I meant by the question, at least in a rudimentary way. I remembered a different sort of life, which was, for those who lived it, interesting and pleasant. By contrast, this life, meaning his life in the zoo, was agonizingly boring and never pleasant. Thus, in asking why, I was trying to puzzle out why life should be divided in this way. Half of it interesting and pleasant, and half of it boring and unpleasant. I had no concept of myself as a captive. It didn't occur to me that anyone was preventing me from having an interesting and pleasant life. When no answer to my question was forthcoming, I began to consider the differences between the two lifestyles. The most fundamental difference was that in Africa, I was a member of a family, of a sort of family that the people of your culture haven't known for thousands of years. If gorillas were capable of such an expression, they would tell you that their family is like a hand of which they are the fingers. They are fully aware of being a family, but are very little aware of being individuals. Here in the zoo, there were other gorillas, but there was no family. Five severed fingers do not make a hand. Yes, I love that. I I didn't realize that the kind of hand thing was in Ishmael. I really like the part where it says five several severed hands uh, do not make, or five severed, fingers out make hand because i yeah 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 and that's kind of like what we were saying earlier about buddhism when like uh like part of dissolving yourself is just connecting your finger to the hand you know right and to to like sort of discover that you're a hand and not a finger it's not you saying that there's no there's no hand or finger i guess but I was going to say what's interesting to me about some Eastern thought, uh, especially Tibetan Buddhism, I, 
I think Tibetan Buddhism focuses on this a lot is like many religions like focus on what to do while you're alive. But the Tibetan system has a whole uh, system of what to do once you're dead. (laughs) Yeah. The the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And I mean, who knows? Yeah, I want to read that. uh, The Mm -hmm. Tibetan Book of the Dead. I've heard of that. And they basically map out and obviously it's, I don't know, like, I don't know how much I believe in or not, but they map, map out all of the different layers of like the afterlife, like the, the hungry ghost realm where these are, where the souls who are greedy and always hungry sort of coalesce with the other hungry and greedy people. And then there's like the deity realms and they sort of like mapped it all out. And so when so it's, it's, Tibetan, it's basically like the, the Eastern version of the divine comedy. Yeah. In a sense. The divine comedy is the, where Dante's Inferno came from. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, go on. And, that, and yeah, just, and they do a whole, like, write a passage I, or like a ceremony or whatever. And that's, one of the reasons why in Tibetan Buddhism, the like art and practice of lucid dreaming is so important to them because they believe that the the after death realms are much like a dream. So the more you can navigate that experience that seems so confusing, the the better equipped you're going to be for basically choosing your destiny. So you don't just end up in some random like hungry ghoul realm. But I I, I think it's interesting that they a lot of Buddhist practices are not meant for the person to reap the benefits in, in the one lifetime. They're, they're actually designed for people over like a course of many lifetimes, which is just like, yeah, which is um, an interesting thing compared to like sort of Western thought where we expect the benefits to be prevalent, like here now, now. Yeah. I want it now. I want it now, which is ironic because Buddhism is like the overarching focus is on the now. Well, but... I mean, I'd say actually that that a lot of like in Christianity, a lot of focus is given to like going to heaven. Uh huh. Right. So it's kind of like not necessarily. Um, it's that, about getting there. Yeah. And then getting there, the sort of Buddhist thought is like, uh, what to do once you're there, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Getting there isn't the problem. All you have to do is die to get to the next, get to where we're going. But what do you do once you're there? So I think it's interesting. Yeah, that would be, it'd be so, I would really love to like speak to someone who like does seances and stuff and like, you know, like talk to dead people dude what if we did a podcast with someone who like did stuff like that well i I mean i don't know if this wants to be in the video but i had that i have that friend but we're no longer friends anymore ah remember because he he he, he's the only person i met in real life that i actually believe can do that i i actually have reached out to a friend of mine who's close to them and i told them hey 
if this person is not mad at me anymore, tell tell them to hit me up because I'd like to reconnect with him. And maybe we could do that. Uh, yeah. That podcast. Do you have anyone that's uh wait, you don't, huh? You don't have no. anyone that's. No, my I mean, my family's had lots of experiences with ghosts and shit, but. So. Not me. Both, I've, I've never all of your this. grandparents are still around. Yeah, but oh, well, no, no. Uh, I just have one grandma, and her her husband, but uh, he's not my blood Wait. grandpa. Okay, but you didn't know the other ones. No, I knew all the other ones. Um, oh. uh, the ones on my mom's side died when I was really young, though. So okay, well, don't tell me anything, because you don't Why? want. Because if I ever get that friend there, we don't want me to have any information to tell him so that you will, you'll know if he's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't because I'd be interested in what he says anyway. But but um... I, I did want to mention something. Um, interesting paranormal experience I had. Um, just like while we're on the topic. Uh, it, so, so this one time I had a dream. That this like lady in a white dress came out through the fog in my backyard, and like I was sitting in my my parents' kitchen, and she like opens up the slider. It's like this glowing white dress lady or whatever. I couldn't really fully recognize her face, except I knew that she was like you know the most beautiful woman on the face of the earth, like just the total encompassing of beauty. Not like hot or anything, but like beautiful, kind of like. You see her, then it's like, holy shit, that's an angel or something like that. But also like, like terrifying. Lady. Yeah. Like the elf and, lady from Lord of the Rings. Good, yeah, but she was also like terrifying way. looking. But her face, oh. like terrifying, like she had a power to her, you know. Um. So anyway, she opens up the door real quietly and she walks up to me and then she like. She leans in and kisses me and I could feel in that moment my soul like coming out of my body oh like i felt like i was dying like i felt like my soul was being evaporated then i was like holy shit and then i i i woke up so i was like no i don't want to die i'm like like i woke up i'm like oh holy shit like that that must be what it's like to die like like i could feel it in that moment that i was dying like i knew i was dying i was like i was like i holy wonder shit. i wonder if you um had your parents find a picture of like all of your grandparents when they were young and you could maybe see if that woman represents like no uh, one of your grandparents when they're younger no no i don't think so uh i think uh but the interesting thing is that i was at dinner with my sister and girlfriend and family and me and my sister and girlfriend were talking and and I, I was talking about poetry or something. Um, and then she was like, oh, yeah, I used to recite this poem uh, when I was younger. Like my sister was saying this. She was like, I used to recite this poem when I was younger, like a nursery rhyme to keep me calm for whenever I saw the lady in the white dress. Wait, your sister said that? Yeah. And then and then I was like, wait. I told you what? about the lady in the white dress. And then she's like, no. <laughs> like, oh my God. holy shit. And it's like, we both yeah. saw this lady in the white dress. Like, I saw her in my dreams, but she saw her in, like, real life. 
Whoa. Like just walking okay. around the backyard. Oh my God, that's crazy. But it so, turns out that there was this lady who died in, in our house, like before we moved in there. Oh, now that's, that's creepy. Um, That reminds me of the haunting of the Pike fraternity house story that I have. What? Did I? No. Okay. So I don't, I, I don't think a lot of people in our fraternity knew about this unless they were there in this, in that original summer that we were all working at the house. Wait, shit. Um, I was there. And... Right. So, so it first started when, um, we, we came to the house after like we all had work in the day or whatever. And Natalie came to us yeah. and, and she was like, was anyone here earlier today? And we were like, no, we were all at work. Like not a single one of us was here. And she was like, oh, now that's creepy because I came here to see if anyone was around to hang out. And I kept on hearing footsteps on the top floor, like someone walking. Yeah. And, and I went to go check and there was no one there. And anyway, she started to get scared. So she went to go run out of the house and she heard um, loud footprints behind her or footsteps so she literally ran out of the house she said in terror and that was like the first i ever heard of any of any haunting or whatever but then uh when she told that story zach was like wait one late night here i was passing by the kitchen and i looked into the kitchen and i saw a lady who looked she was in like an old style dress and she looked uh, like native American or Hispanic. And then she was gone. She disappeared. And, and then after he told that story later on throughout the summer, Matt Bodie. Oh, I didn't mean to name him, but Matt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't think it matters. Matt said he had seen a black uh, shadowy figure in the corner of the wall. Uh, Dude, at different times, fucking black shadowy figures are not the move. Yeah, and he said it was a f uh, a female energy, like it had a okay. female, even though he couldn't see that it was female. And I believe, past it, our another person said that she saw something there after I was telling her these stories, and she said that it was also Hispanic looking, uh, older generation woman. So what I did, I couldn't, I never it's like, saw, it's like, I it turns out her. it's just the housemaid. It's just a fucking, yeah. It's, it's, oh my God. Yeah. Literally. Anyway, I never like witnessed her or anything if she was around, but I was yeah. like, okay, well maybe this place is haunted. Um, yeah. And my experience. So I, but I did have an experience. So I was working on something in the basement for the yeah. house and I got a call on my phone. And I obviously had the lights on in the room that I was working. Um, and I got a call on my phone and I went outside. And when I went back in to the room, the lights were off. And I remember sitting there for like a couple of minutes because I was like, I usually, did I just subconsciously turn off that light? Or was that the, was that Subconsciously turn off that light? Yeah. I was like, did I, okay. would I have just done that? Like on oh, my way out? I, I get it. And so anyway, I was starting to believe that maybe there was a haunting going on or whatever. And so what I would do when no one was around and I was scared, 
to be in the Pike House alone, I would play music for the ghost. And I yeah. would try to talk to the ghost. I, I to try to be friends with it so that it didn't like fuck me up. Cause so, I was like, so I would yeah. like put on some Lana Del Rey in my room and I'd be like, okay, listen, if you're like around, um, like here's the kind of music I listen to. Like, I'm not trying to have you fuck me up. Like, I swear to God, if you appear like while I'm taking a piss at night, like I will shit my pants. So like, <laughs> don't, don't do anything like that. And I was just trying to like build a rapport with this ghost that I didn't even know if it yeah. existed or not. But that's the story is um, a lot of people were coming out with different stories. And whenever they described it, they said it was a female. But here's the weird part of the story. Okay. okay. You can take this with a grain of salt. You don't have to post this part. All right. But oh, I, will. I, when I was doing my, when we were starting to figure out that my friend, from my hometown could sort of do crazy things uh yeah. potentially see things that were not there i was like so there's been a word in my fraternity that there is like a haunting of some sort can you go check it out i'm not going to tell you anything about what they've been saying i just want you to check it out and tell and tell me if you see it so that night he went to bed and visited the yeah. the pike house and he described a, a darker skinned lady uh like hispanic native american in an old style dress um yep. and the part he said next was that was so creepy to me that when he saw her she was climbing on the roof just fucking scary like she just <laughs> crawled on the roof, you know and and that was that. So that was kind of my the confirmation for me because I didn't yeah. tell him anything about their descriptors of of her. But on Dude, the thinking other hand, about that creeps me out. This her calling on the roof. I under Fuck. but the, the thing is is that my when my friend had this experience, he wasn't scared of her at all. She looked more like she was distressed. Yeah. And and if we think about maybe like if ghosts do exist. And they're sort of hanging around here. It's probably because they're like attached to attached to some kind of emotion Fear. that they can't let go of. So yeah. they're usually going to be distressed or mm -hmm. whatever. But that was that. I never. But actually, after I did my singing thing, where I sing and talk to the ghost, no one else reported us like seeing her or anything for months after that wow so i and so i wonder if i did like a little exorcism on accident because i was like because i was like i was like because i was like you can you can move on <laughs> i'm totally just talking to myself and i was like you can move on you don't have to hold on to this no more <laughs> but, Dude, yeah no i'll do that like whenever i'm like scared like when it's nighttime or it's like dark out and i'm alone like I'll say some shit. I'll be like, "Hey, if there's anyone here, um, just know that uh, I am no threat, and please like, don't hurt me." Are you talking like to like people who are there, or like if there's like a ghost there? Uh, all of the above. All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My a, a word of advice that I got was like, if you're ever worried about like a ghost, or whatever. Just say uh, 
may peace be with you. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that's good advice. Because yeah. it gets you, yeah, Keep it may simple. peace be with you. Yeah. Peace be may with the you. The force be with you. Yeah. That's the thing that we do in Catholic Church where like at a certain point you turn to the people around you and you just say peace be with you. Yeah. But it sounds like it would work for ghosts too. Like if they're like in this negative vibe and you say peace be with you, maybe they, you know, (laughs) go away. I don't know. (laughs) I've never really had a paranormal experience. Like that one was a dream. So it's kind of different. But it is paranormal because of your sister yeah because of what my sister saw then it made it it made it more it made it paranormal after that and also the fact that it seemed like he was like killing me or not killing me but taking my soul (laughs) she was yeah i wonder why she felt the need to do that (laughs) yeah then like you look into like lady in the white dress and it's a very common thing to see yeah in dreams and ghosts that's what i was gonna say as part of my thing is lady in the white it is kind of it is pretty convenient that when everyone tends to describe a ghost, it's always like Lalo Lorena from the Mexican myth. It's always like some crying lady. So there could be an aspect of uh, what what's it called? Jung's collective unconscious, where we all just have this idea of a lady in a yeah. white dress. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it's like so many people see it a, a lot of times they show like in a the tv show supernatural they say that the lady in the white dress shows up um to like like basically scare unfaithful men or like kill unfaithful men or whatever haunt Ooh. them i like that um so that's like an interesting thing i mean obviously i was too young for that to happen my sister was seeing her and everything so i think it's i'll tell you in that regard but do you want to hear my I it's yeah. like my most vivid Go for it. paranormal ghost story. Cause like the the pipe the fraternity one was like I didn't really experience it, you know. Yeah. But the the scariest sort of ghost story that I experienced was I would oftentimes have have um babysitters growing up because my mom would work so late and we would they would oftentimes like fall asleep at my house because my mom would get home so late. So one time me and my babysitter, we fell asleep to a movie we were watching and I woke up at around like two or 3 AM and she was missing from the room. And I remember she felt like she fell asleep before me. So when I woke up, I was like, well, where is she? Yeah. Um, And she would oftentimes use my computer on, in the basement so that she can like check my space and stuff uh in like social media at the time and i i went to approach the downstairs because i was like she's probably on my space and as i was going down the steps i could hear very loudly her t- uh typing like yeah. and it was it was an actual old keyboard so you could hear every key yeah and she was typing and you know like when a door is open you can see between it oh and this was like one of those desktop computers so that's why i was in the basement it wasn't a laptop yeah okay. yeah it was okay. a desktop and yeah and so as i'm rounding the door i can see through the crack of the door i see her sitting there typing yep and i round the door and i remember literally my jaw dropping because there was no one there she Holy wasn't shit. there at all and 
the computer was off and I was like, holy shit. And I ran upstairs to my bedroom and there she was asleep. And I woke her up in fuck in terror. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is what happened. And she was like, no, I've been sleeping here. Uh, she just decided to go to sleep in my room for some reason. But yeah, it was like the scariest, most vivid experience I ever had. Because <laughs> I remember hearing the typing. Like, I was like, did I hallucinate this? But yeah. Dude, yeah, that'd be creepy. Um, yeah, I've never had anything like that happen to me before. You're like seeing seeing any weird things like a ghost or anything. Maybe I'm just blind to the paranormal. Like maybe some people just seen... can't see anything paranormal. Yeah. Like, have you ever thought about that? No, and I've never seen anything. Yeah. And actually like, like it's like a sixth sense, right? Like that that movie. Yeah. You know. Like I never saw the the parent haunting at Pike, so I think my my inner eye is blind. <laughs> we did too many drugs. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Usually those open up the inner eye, but not not for me. <laughs> Sometimes they close it off. It's the fluoride in the water calcifies your pineal gland. They say closes your inner eye. Is that they an actual conspiracy? Yeah, that they intentionally put fluoride in a lot of products. I think they know, like it's a scientific fact that fluoride does calcify the pineal gland but the conspiracy oh, wow. is that they do that on purpose um because the pineal gland is responsible for like prophetic dreams and blah 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 blah. so they don't want people having those shoot i gotta stop taking fluoride <laughs> kevin are you to the point with your monster like it's like when you drink monster and you finish it do you just keep picking it up and trying to get more out of it like after it's no empty? i i was just I, drink, that. I, I just finished it Okay, because I do that. Like, whenever I like it's empty, I'll like keep like picking it up mm -hmm. and, and trying to get more out of it, but there's never any God. more. It's like I just want one more drop, but there's always like always, a little droplet. There's out. always a little drop, and I can't waste these. They're expensive. They're like three bucks each. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, I've never been addicted to energy drinks, but oh god, I wish I never started. <laughs> they're just too. They're so good, dude. I'm addicted. 100%. But lately, I've been able to do it at least, like, less than, like, only two times max per week. Oh, I'm not even going to tell you how much I have in a day. <laughs> <laughs> please, please say, don't be...